So I was plowing this chick and all these farts came shooting out. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. What a great reading experience. I feel like they should re- let kids read that in school. Yeah. I know it's, it's definitely very crass and kids shouldn't read that. But if you're in eighth grade and your teacher wants to get you interested in reading and they brought, you know, especially oh, like literary was, fiction, and they was, brought that to your attention, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm reading. And, then they, and this is a famous guy. like Yeah, James Joyce. Love letters. Fart. The first fart fiction. <laughs> hey there, people. What is going on? DPOBU podcast, and we're a little tipsy. <laughs> This is the second part of our St. Paddy's Day episode, the other one published on Tuesday. This one we actually recorded directly after. Yes. Why not? I don't know. Technically, we did it. We recorded yeah. it now. Yeah. Same day. So, like, while we're recording it, we're like, oh, yeah. It's in sequential order. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. Drunk. Drunk off of love. Life. And James Joyce fuck fiction. <laughs> Like, I just, I want to read the rest of those so bad because I didn't read them all before. I just, I don't even know why that, because that one's like in the middle. I remember just hearing about he had love letters and they were raunchy. And I was like, well, that sounds like something I'll look at. And I just happened to glance over and like I was scrolling through. And then I read that one. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's like something that I want to read in like a public setting and as I'm losing it. And in a Starbucks? Like, yeah, somebody's like, well, well, what's making you not? Just, just, just read it. But they can't say you're not fucking high society or high cultured because like, oh, you're so lowbrow. They can't because it's James Joyce. Yeah. Like that's about as high culture as you're going to get in literary terms. Uh, but today's drunken episode, we, we at least have a theme for it. Yeah. Well, the last episode, it went long. And we wanted to talk about great Irish writers, obviously, that goes with St. Paddy's Day. And then the only thing we got to was James Joyce, the only Irish uh, writer that was on the list of drunks that we were reading. And that we ended up just reading his embarrassing love letters. So we're going to go through some of those at the end of this episode. But we're going to start out with the biggest drunks in literary... Well, I guess it wouldn't be literary fiction, just fiction in general. Uh, biggest drunks in literature. This is from Ranker.com. A little bit more reputable than that shitty Listverse site we were on. Did I send you this one? I don't think you did, sir. I'm gonna send it to you now. If you accidentally get my uh, Harry Potter fanfic where he he's a lesbian. That's and... gross, though, kids. <laughs> you didn't let me finish. <laughs> They're adults now. Oh, it's like okay. when they had the grown-up version of the Rugrats. Oh, oh, that was lame. Well, they were also only teenagers then, but. Semantics. Who gives a shit? Hopefully the dog doesn't destroy our equipment on this one. <laughs> or your drink. Or my drink. Well, better not, because this one's sticky and red. <laughs> I'm drinking a Negroni now. I'm not drinking a fucking whiskey. All right, I send it to you. Wait, is your name Lamont? Yes. Okay. Oh, fuck. No, I don't want to do that. How weird would it be if all of a sudden really loud porn started playing on my computer? <clears throat> no, it'd be more... Oh, oh. <laughs> Thick. Nothing ruins a porn faster than gross grunting and close-up of face shots. <laughs> they need to stop bringing the mustache back. Bring the mustache back? In porn. See, but I kind of feel like porn ruined the mustache originally. Yeah, but I mean... Think of before 70s porn. Like we were talking about last episode with all the literary drunks 
Most of them had glorious mustaches. Yes. And nowadays, the mustache, if even if you have a nice-ass mustache, people kind of look at you like, oh, what the fuck, you got a mustache? They, they laugh at you. Can you name anyone now that's not old that has a mustache that doesn't get made fun of? No. But mustache kind of looks cool. Like, you look at, a young, look at a young Hemingway and he has a mustache. I mean, come on, Edgar Allan Poe or something. Like, you look at these guys with the mustache and you're like, now that is sophisticated. That man has hair on his upper lip and his upper lip only. You got this list up now? Yes, I got it. Can we get to the fucking uh, the, the shit we're doing? Sure. I don't know any of these but the first one, I think. Right, at least the, <laughs> the way I was looking through. Yeah, I didn't read it, but I had to look through it. So this is from Ranker.com, the biggest drunks in literature. Number one, Jack Torrance knows the truth about being on the wagon. It sucks. I don't know. I feel like if he didn't jump off the wagon, he might not murder or try to murder his family and end up frozen in the fucking maze. Yeah. Haunted, desolate resorts and recovering alcoholics don't mix well. Agreed. Jack Torrance and Stephen King's The Shining tries to make the best of it, but when your when your kid has frightening psychic abilities and you're snowed in, well, you might act out too. Now that's just that, horse hockey. Yeah, that that nothing to n- do. Nothing to do with anything. This person didn't read The Shining. Who wrote, I'm going to, Libby Molyneux. I'm shaming you, Libby Molyneux. You did not read The Shining because. You might have watched the movie and that's You it. watched the movie and that is it. Because what did the kid's fucking psychic shining ability have to do with Jack Torrance going crazy? Nothing. Nothing. The creepy ghost man did. The other ghost, all of them. The magical. Yeah, because he had those abilities beforehand. Yes. But he did break the kid's arm, didn't he, before he went to the... Yeah, it was something... He was already a raging drunk. Yeah. It didn't help any matter, or matters any at all. Then, because if you think about it, too, that Jack Torrance probably also had a bit of the shining as well. Yeah. Because if his son had it, he probably had. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe that's why he drank. Yeah, that's probably why he was an alcoholic, is to try to... That's something I would have liked Stephen King to go in more into, like, later on. Maybe it did... Doctor Sleep is that it? Yeah, the sequel. Did he go into that at all? Um, not so. Like they didn't really touch much with like the dad or anything. But like, um, he, uh, if I remember correctly, like he didn't get into like the drinking too much. But like he, like at like at uh, after time, he kind of lost, like mm. lo- lost it or just didn't use it enough to where like um, it's you know kind of like a muscle. Like if you he not, didn't use it, yeah. So, so therefore, he didn't like you don't. Use it, you'll lose it. Yes. Like yes. the old, uh, you have to have, use your bone or else yeah. you lose it, right? Well, was it Jack Torrance that had a hint of The Shining or couldn't it have been his mother? Because Stephen King likes female psychics. Fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. They also, in this article, which I like, they have a quote about the drinking from the book. So it says, drink to this. This is, uh, is this Jack Torrance reading this? It doesn't say. And that's when you realize what the wagon really is, Lloyd. It's a church with bars on the windows, a church for women, and a prison for you. That's deep. Yeah, that seems like something Jack Torrance would say. Number two, Dean Morody. Mord. How the fuck do you say his name? I'm too drunk to fucking read that. M-O-R-I-A-R-T-Y. Morty? Moriarty. Dean Moriarty hits the road and the bottle. I like that picture. Yeah, that's tricky. He got a lady on his sleeve. It's like this crazy uh, Picasso-esque drawing. And the moon's like an eye. It gives me like Picasso slash Hunter S. Thompson vibes. I like it. Jazz, poetry, drinking, and drugs are all prevalent in Jack Kerouac's On the Road, and no one hits the bottle harder than Dean Moriarty, who was based on real-life Kerouac's bestie, Neil Cassidy. 
I've been wanting to read On the Road, but the reviews keep turning me off because everyone's like, it's so boring and stupid. But I like Dharma Bums. Jack Kerouac, like, his fiction is like a more extreme version of Hunter S. Thompson's fiction where it's not really fiction at all. It's just his life and he kind of changes the names. Because where Hunter S. Thompson, he exaggerated. Yeah. I feel like Jack Kerouac just wrote everything that happened to him and then just changed the names. But drink to this. He drank in a saloon like the ghost of his father. He slopped down wine, beer, and whiskey like water. His face got red and sweaty and he bellowed and hollered at the bar and staggered across the dance floor where honky-tonkers of the West danced with girls and tried to play the piano. And he threw his arms around ex-cons and shouted with them in an uproar. I like that. But who, who, wine, beer, and whiskey is an awful mix. That's crazy. That's like one big long... Oh, no, no, never mind. I was going to say that's one big sentence, but it's two sentences. Yeah, I had a little trouble keeping my breath on that one. (laughs) All right, number three. Nick and Nora Charles happily martinied. Now, this is a picture of... Do you know these two people? I do not. I mean, these are obviously the characters from the movie, but I don't know the actor or the actress. I'm assuming this is golden era Hollywood. I am familiar with golden Hollywood era actors, but I can't always picture it. Like, when I see a picture, I don't necessarily know. No, yeah. From Dashiell Hammett's 1934 novel, The Thin Man, this crime-solving couple drinks buckets of booze while on the job, yet never stagger or run out of rapid-fired quips. That's what I like. A functional alcoholic. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're drinking buckets of booze, that is fucking perfect. What, I want to know at the time, like, what time period the novel was supposed to take place in. Because it was written in 1934. I'm assuming maybe the 20s, which would be Prohibition era. Yeah. But if they are, it doesn't say if they're actually law detectives or something, but it does say crime-solving couples. So if they're solving crimes and they're drunk in the 20s, that means they would be breaking the law. Drink to this. Nick. How about a drop of something to cut the phlegm? <laughs> Nora, why don't you stay sober today? Nick, we didn't come to New York to stay sober. Ah, uh, that's nice. That That's a fair point. The phlegm part's kind of gross, but <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, if I went to New York, I'm drinking. When I go to California, I'm fucking drinking. Oh, yeah. Or we're going to do a bunch of edibles. I don't know. Mindy has this idea we're going to do a bunch of edibles. It's like, Mindy, I, I have drug tests at my job. <laughs> like, I can't do edibles. Just like, this do it. So if you hear about, like, Caleb James, man in Yosemite, plummets off of a fucking cliff, I was on edibles. Just keep that in mind. I, I didn't jump. Number four, Henry Chinaski can find any reason to drink. Now, before I go any further, I want to know your process for coming up names, because Henry Chinaski seems like an awful, I mean, it's not awful, it's like a realistic name, but I don't like names that are hard to pronounce in my fiction. Yeah. Uh, my, I have a, I've gone on record about this before. I have a hard time naming anything. People, places. They have time generators you can look up. Titles of like, you know, names of stories. I'm terrible with all that. And when I do come up with one, I'm just like, it's terrible. uh. What I do is I like to come up. It depends what the setting is. If it's like an urban setting, you can get away with like a J or like, you know, just a fucking like a short initial or something. And people are fine with that. Or maybe a nickname. Neil Gaiman does that a lot. Like he has Shadow in uh, American Gods. Like he does a lot of just nickname kind of names. When it comes to like regular names for my fiction, I like to pick like a normal first name like Bruce or something. And then I'll throw on 
what I would think is like a Polish last name and just change letters. So like a Kowalski, but it would be like Kulski or like something weird like that. Like just add a Z in there for no reason. Like if it's something you're not going to use, you're going to call him by the first name. But when you introduce him, maybe you have his last name. That's the only time you say it. Like just fucking don't overthink it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of hard because there's people that have these real names. One book I was going to write when I was coming up with the characters, I came up with some awesome names that I really liked. And uh, the boxing story. A lot. Some of the names I came up with by getting like famous boxers using their first name and another famous boxer's last name and combining them. So that was okay. But like the, my protagonist, I thought he had uh, his name was Logan Harvey. That's a baseball player. I didn't know. Huh. I was like, man. So I'm thinking, how famous is the baseball player? Can I get right. away with it? Because like I like the name Logan Harvey. It's two it's first good, names. It's I a mean, good name. It's a good name, right? Because, no, you mean Logan, I've known some Logans in my life, but not enough to make it a common name. I mean, maybe some people Wolverine, but... Yeah, well... Name was James. Yeah, technically. Anyway, number four, Henry Chinesky can find any reason to drink. Henry Chinesky served as Charles Bukowski's alter ego in five of his novels. Well, he really liked that name. Plus other short stories and poems. Like his creator, Chinesky, Chinesky liked his wine straight from the bottle... Well, we just covered Bukowski in the last uh, podcast because he was one of the famous drunks. So I'd imagine this guy definitely fits the bill if he's just playing Bukowski in the stories. Drink to this from women. That's the problem with drinking, I thought, as I poured myself a drink. If something bad happens, you drink and attempt to forget. If something good happens, you drink in order to celebrate. And if nothing happens, you drink to make something happen. Well, fuck, isn't that true? Yeah. That, that, that is like the fucking cycle of alcoholism. That Those are all fair, valid points. Now, I usually I have a couple drinks like in the week. Like usually when we do the podcast, I have a drink or two. And maybe like a random Wednesday, I'll have one drink. But I'm not much like I'm not a big drinker, despite the fact that we are always drinking on here. When it comes to, uh, like, what he was saying, sometimes if I'm fucking sitting here more, especially when I was younger, I'd be like, I might as well just have a drink. And then, then, you know, I might as well just have two drinks. And when, like, especially when you're young, that's when it will catch up to you real quick. Because you'll have, like, you you know, you'll sit there and you're fucking bored. Nothing's happening. Nobody's talking to you. Like, on you know, you can't find anybody online or on your phone or anything. Then all of a sudden, you're three or four drinks down and then you're fucking stupid and you're all by yourself. Number five. Martha, Martha, Martha. Now, this old broad in the picture is getting it in, too. Like, look at her face. Like, she looks like she is drinking to forget a problem. Her hair is all disheveled. Her eyes are droopy. She's holding... Uh, it's not even, like, a whiskey glass. It's just a full-size glass. Like, like, you a, get, like a water glass. Yeah, like you get at a restaurant, and it's full of booze, and she's just downing it. Before... That's Elizabeth Taylor, I believe. I'd never seen her that haggard-looking. Hmm. Before Elizabeth Taylor forever nailed the role, Martha screamed from the pages of Edward Albee's play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? The gin flows like a river while Martha castigates her husband George in front of dinner guests. I could not imagine drinking that fucking much. What did she do? Gin. Like, I couldn't imagine drinking that big of a glass of gin. Like, that would be disgusting. Because it, it looks like if she would just... If Drinking turn, a glass of water. Wait, because it looks like if she... she like, because the pitcher's in her in mid-drink. If she was like, if you turn the glass upright, it's like halfway full, it looks like. And that's like after, like, big swigs. I don't even think there's ice in it. No. It doesn't look like it. That's disgusting. That's one thing, like we said in the last episode, we were talking about the greatest authors who were drunks. There was only one woman on the list. There's a lot of women 
who have drinking problems that I never really see featured in fiction too much. I feel like Shameless does the alright job with that. I don't, have you watched the show Shameless? I'm a couple of seasons. I'm like two seasons behind, but yeah. Well, like the most recent uh, season, Fiona, yeah. who's like was the main character for a long time. Did she, did she leave? Is yeah, she, leave she leaves this, episode, this season. But she like goes real downward spiral into a drinking problem. Like she's waking up in the morning down and she just drinks vodka straight all the time. Like that's a great example of like a female character with a drinking problem. But I, don't, I mean, in fiction, it's always done like in Hemingway's work or anything like that. You'll see these female um, characters, but when they're drinking, it's always played off as either like dainty or, oh, she can hold her liquor. And then like they just kind of go on about the protagonist or whatever, but they never go on like about it being a problem. Whereas the man, it's always like a prominent feature in the character. Like, oh, he has a drinking problem. They never talk about the females who are with them drinking all the time. Like, clearly they have problems, too. Like how we were talking about in the last episode, F. Scott Fitzgerald had a huge drinking problem. What about his wife, Zelda Fitzgerald, who was probably a bigger drinker than him? You'd think it had to be just being around him. Yeah, like, she was at all the parties, too. She was always drinking. She had a lot of mental health problems. She was definitely more of a failed writer than he ever was at the time. And she drank a lot. But they don't really talk about that. Just think that's an interesting point. Uh, drink to this. I cry all the time, but deep inside so no one can see me. And Georgie cries all the time, too. We take our tears and we put them in the icebox, in the goddamn ice trays, and then we put them in our drinks. It's pretty hard. So wait, they're using her, their tears? I think it's metaphorical. But I'm just saying the method is of using their tears to make the ice cubes to tear their drinks. That's fucking hardcore. That's fucking deep, man. <laughs> and a little salty. A little salty. Yeah, that's fucking deep because it's saying that not only do they have drinking problems because of their depression, they're fucking putting the tears into their ice and that's and they're just drinking them because they can't they have to keep it inside. They don't they can't let their emotions go. Which again Whoa. goes back to the next last episode. A lot of these drunks were in the olden days, like they could they weren't allowed to express it necessarily. Like if you I felt like back in the old days, if you had a drinking problem and you wanted to get help People would really look down on you. There probably wasn't any there to get. Well, even if there was therapy, like it wasn't what it is now. And I'd imagine a lot of people were like the old, uh, what are you, a pussy? Just buck up. Drinking problem? What the fuck is this? They just make fun of you. And that's why everybody died of the, that was like a common death back then. He he drank himself to death. Yep. Apache helicopter. Here. It's loud. I don't know if that always picks up on here, but it's super loud in our headphones. It sounds like it's landing on your roof. Every fucking time. I like doing it. Number six, Jake Barnes, whining and dining in Barcelona. This is from The Sun Also Rises. This was a Hemingway story, his first novel, I believe, and I it's the first Hemingway novel I read, too. It was all right. It was literally just about people going around Europe and uh, I think they're going to bullfights or something in Barcelona and they just drank nonstop. So obviously this guy's a big drunk. He was, uh, he was, he was the protagonist. He was like injured in the war. So he was impotent and like he has all these different relationships, with women, and I guess he can't have sex or something. I don't know. But pretty much it was like Hem- what happened to Hemingway. I guess Hemingway got injured in the war. Oh, yeah. And uh, he just drank himself stupid. So that's what this guy does. 
By the time Jake Barnes and his ex-pat pals arrive at Barcelona from Paris, it's very much just the lost generation. Hemingway and his writer's buddies. Anyway, it's a non-stop wine-soaked party and Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises. Hemingway, who had matches characters drink for drink, keeps the corks popping. I just want to point that phrase out. Hemingway matched his characters drink for drink. Could you imagine coming up with like a character in one of your stories and then you're doing everything that fucking character does in real life? It's almost like playing a drinking game with your own writing. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you're the writer. Drink every time he says, how you doing? And then you just write how you doing in every how fucking you do- sentence. How you doing? How you doing? Jesus. <laughs> drink to this. This wine is too good for toast drinking, my dear. You don't want to mix emotions up with a wine like that. You lose the taste. See, that is a true alcoholic that you know certain wines are for certain occasions. Like this wine, you're not toasting with this wine. You're fucking drinking this wine. Number seven, Jim Dixon's hangovers weren't so lucky. Kingsley Amos, father of Martin, was among Britain's original angry young men of literature. Lucky Jim and his classic British satire about university life drenched in beer. Good beer. Many scholars believe it has the best prose ever written about a hangover. I'm kind of interested in reading that. Yeah. Drink to this. Jim Dixon was alive again. Consciousness was upon him before he could get out of the way. He lay sprawled, too wicked to move, spewed up like a broken spider crab on the terry shingle on the morning. His mouth had been used as a latrine by some small creatures oh. of the night, and then as his mausoleum. Oh, fuck. There's <laughs> dead bodies in his mouth, too. During the night, too, he'd somehow been on a cross-country run and then been expertly beaten up by secret police. He felt bad. Dude, that is, like, the best hangover uh, example I've ever heard. Like, I wish I could come up with something like that. Like, every, like you're fucking... Yeah, when you're hungover, you wake up, your mouth tastes like shit. <laughs> you feel like fucking somebody beat the shit out of you, but no, nope, it had to be secret police that beat you up after a marathon. <laughs> your mouth tastes like the inside of your liver from all the alcohol. This article is a ranker, so it just goes on to affinity. So I think we'll cut it off there. Because I want to talk about, since we did the whole St. Patrick's Day weekend, but we need to talk about some positive St. Patty's Day people. Real quick, honorable mentions. Uh, James Bond should be up there. He James wasn't, Bond. He wasn't necessarily like a, a drunker. Oh, but he like, was because somebody... He drank a lot, though. Somebody broke it down by Bond books, how much he would actually drink. And he was like... A severe alcoholic, apparently. I mean, it makes sense. And I also want to point out Tony Stock, Iron Man. Yeah, but that was brought up in the books. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, that goes with it. But he was definitely an alcoholic. Yeah. That was a, a feature storyline for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, the Demon in the Bottle storyline dealt with his alcoholism. And, like, there was a time where he was an even Iron Man. They had because uh, of his drink. Well, he's a regular dude too, no power. Yeah. So okay, like he, because he was like you know like how you get DUI dr- driving your car. Like he would get like he was like drunk, fucking riding <laughs> around in the Iron Man outfit. He can't be drunk Iron Manning. Like you can't be just flying around smashing into houses and shit. I wish somebody could find a way to do a storyline where Hulk gets drunk. Oh, like could you imagine if somehow like because I know his healing properties and shit, he can't get drunk. But could you imagine just a drunk Hulk? He would just murder everybody. Well, um, maybe, because I think he got kind of drunk in that Thor movie at times. I can't remember. I don't think he did. Maybe. I don't know. I think you're talking bullshit. I might be. Talking bull cocky. All right, so this is from the Evening Standard, which is a fucking very long-named website, so I'm not going to read their website, but if you go to the Evening Standard, you can find it. 17 of the best books by Irish authors. 
I am not going to go through all 17 of these because we don't have enough time, but I'll go through the top five at least. Sounds good. I'm sure I'm not going to be able to pronounce most of these names. Yeah. Oh, I will oh. say I am not very... If you ask me about Japanese literature, Russian literature, I'll tell you anything you want to know. You go to Irish literature, I... And yeah. then, not to sound like a dick, but it just, it's not one that that you immediately think like of a culture or a place where strong writers yeah come from well like we were saying before other than james joyce there's not really any prominent irish writers that have made it over to at least american culture they obviously they're popular over in europe but over here you might not have heard of them let's see what we got here number one is brooklyn by here we go (laughs) brooklyn by colm toybin T-O with an accent over it, I-B-I-N, and the I has an accent over it. You know what's weird? I found when I was looking up, uh, like, the Gaelic language, they have the uh, what looks like the same accents over the letters that Spanish does, so I don't know if it's pronounced the same way. Hmm. Like how Spanish has, like, the E and it'll have an accent over it. Yeah. Like, look, like, the I has an accent over it. That's the same as Spanish, so I don't know if it's the same pronunciation, but I'm going to say... Brooklyn by Colm Toybin. Probably like, yeah, it can't be Toybin. That sounds stupid, but sorry, Colm. Anyway, a beautiful novel set in rural Ireland in the 1950s. And let me just break down this because I actually looked at the pronunciation of this a while ago. Because while I always pronounced it, the fucking American English word rural is such a stupid word. Like R-U-R-A-L. It's so hard to pronounce. Yeah. Like if you don't think about it, you just say rural. You sound like an idiot. Or you might accidentally say royal. Royal, yeah. Like rural. Like roo. If you try to break it down, you sound like Scooby-Doo. Anyway, a beautiful novel set in rural Ireland in 1950s. It centers on Alice Lacey, a young woman who... That's another reason why I can't get into Irish work. Because the pronunciation of the names. Because like Japanese, I could pronounce... Like I could pronounce the... The language. Spanish, I can pronounce the language. But, like, Irish and Russian, like, it's kind of hard sometimes. You think Irish, too, because it's it's still, like, a form of English. Yeah, but it's, it's based just, off of Gaelic, though, which Gaelic is not English at no. all. It's a, it's a... Have you ever heard somebody speak Gaelic? Like, I, Conor McGregor, I remember from uh, one of his... Like, a couple interviews, they had him speaking it. And he wasn't, like, great at it, but he could still speak it. It was like fucking nonsense. Like you yeah. couldn't understand. It was like go to the like. Uh. It's almost kind of like um uh like the gypsy almost, isn't it? What like the pikey language? Yeah. yeah, but there's no English words in it. Yeah. Oh, somebody came in. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. We're gonna pause. We're just gonna go on and read through the loud noises in the kitchen. They're louder. Louder. It's all right. We did the professional quotation, professional episode earlier. This is the drunk episode, so yeah, you can do yeah, yeah, do more of that though. <laughs> Turn on the blender. Yeah. Well, we'll pause it for that. Well, you should have done. We can't push. We can't rush these things. Happy St. Patty's Day. You weren't here for the reading of some Irish sex letters that were oh really entertaining. My God. He's going to have to read some of this to you later, and the moistness that you're going to have is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be out of this world. Anyway, number one was Brooklyn by Colm Toybin. (laughs) 
Again, not saying that right name. So I'll try to get through this list. A beautiful novel set in rural Ireland in the 1950s that centers on Ellis Lacey, a young woman. And it's not Ellis, by the way. It's Eilis. I forget how to pronounce that. E-I-L-I-S. Eilis Lacey, a young woman who is unable to find work. She decides to emigrate from Enniscorthy to Brooklyn, New York City, to pursue better job prospects. The novel is an emotional roller coaster which sees Eilis battle with the pole between her new life in the States and the life she left behind in Ireland. It won the Costa Novel Award in, in 2009 and was long listed for the Booker Prize that same year. In 2016, it was adapted into a film. And I have never heard of it. Nope. Maybe that should be our goal for next year, to read at least one Irish book. Fair enough. That, that seems good. Well, I try to give every continent and every country like a read if I can. I've read like I've read some Mexican fish fiction, some South American, other South American country fiction. Have you? You need to do like uh, Australia. I have not read an Australian. I don't think, but I'm, I mean that's it's kind of like English, right? Yeah. Wait, I've read a short story from Australia. Okay, there we go. Real quick, preacher. Yes. The uh, Cassidy, the vampire. Yes. What was his real name in that? Because he was Irish, and it was a fucking name I could never pronounce. It was like, not Perseus, it was like, started with the P, I think, right? I think. But it was like a real Irish name that you just can't say. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've read it, and and I don't know if they brought it up in the show. I don't remember either. Well, moving on from that. Number two, Where's Rainbow's End by Cecilia Ahern. Cecilia Ahern's debut novel, P.S. I Love You, I've heard of this. P.S. I Love You was published when the author was just 22 and was an instant bestseller, staying at the top of the Irish bestsellers list for 19 weeks and topping the bestsellers list in the UK, US, Germany, and the Netherlands. In Ad Hearn's follow-up novel, however, that is my personal favorite, whoever the author of this is, where Rainbow's End centers on lifelong friendship between Alex and Rosie, written in espitolary... espitolary... I don't know how to say that word. Pistolary? form and the novel charts their friendship and star-crossed lovers type romance from early childhood through to middle age rosie's world is turned upside down when she becomes unexpectedly pregnant after a one-night stand at 18 and alex had moved across the other side of the world the book was since been adapted into a film called love rosie starring lily collins and sam claffin that's not a novel i'm interested in no. but i the one thing that i always thought was funny about like the p.s i love you is like it has Gerard Butler in it, but not really. Not really. <laughs> is he only briefly in it, or? Well, because like I think he's in the beginning, and like. But they he, use him as a selling point. But like he dies or something, Ooh. and like that. P.S. I love you. I think it, it's from like um he has wrote like a letter or like a series of letters for her right. or something. So like I think you still like you get like voiceovers. I think. From her, like, reading the letter and you hear his voice. I don't think I watched that movie, but I heard it was really good if you were into romance fiction and shit. This is already opening my eyes. Maybe we are overlooking some Irish writers, though. We might be. Number three, Rachel Holiday by Marion Kays. That's a normal name. Marion Kays is one of the best writers of our time. That's a bold statement. Right. And the numbers are there to prove it. That's even a bolder statement, (laughs) but that would be factual if they are... If that is accurate. Yeah. As of March last year, before her latest novel was published, Marion Case had sold an incredible 35 million copies of her 12 previous novels. I guess that does prove it. That is a lot. But though, I mean, well, yeah, I guess even but even if you divide that between 12 novels, that's still a shit ton of novels. Yeah. Because like, even like Stephen King, 
that I don't think is selling multiple millions in his books because people just don't buy books like that. Anyway, yet Kays didn't start writing books until she was 30. There gives us some hope. Yeah, right. And had just been admitted to rehab for alcoholism. That's perfect for this. Yeah, that just keeps on falling with the theme. Yeah, admitted to rehab for alcoholism. Way to be our stereotype, Marion. <laughs> Jesus. Since then, she has become the darling of the Irish literary scene, and her Twitter account is something to behold. It will leave you laughing for hours. I think maybe we should fire, uh, follow this lady on Twitter yeah, to see might, if it is yeah. that funny. Well, check that out. While all of her books are a treat, Rachel's holiday Rachel's holiday stands out. Rachel has lived in New York for the better part. I'm starting to notice a pattern here too. Why are these Irish authors all moving to New York? Where is she gonna go? Do we have to move to New York, or do we just? I not hope move? not. What? Well, then I'm fucking moving. Well, that's where the money is, but then you have no money when you move there. Well, if she sold 35 million copies of her novels, I'm sure at some point she had some money to buy a place. Anyway, Rachel's lived in New York for the better part of a decade, and after a near-deadly cocktail of alcohol and cocaine, she is taken back to Dublin and put into rehab by her family. What follows is a heartwarming tale in Keith's signature witty and very Irish style. Well, for one... I'm just going to blame the drinking that I am doing. It's not the actual author that moved to New York. Yeah. It is the character, yes. Rachel. But that was in that the last book we just read was somebody went to New York. I don't remember. The point is, it looks very poignant and wonderfully written, I'm sure. And we're not going to check it out, but we'll say we will. Yeah. I just have to make books. We'll go on the list of the list of the list that I might want to check out at some point. Yeah. Number four. Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. Sally Rooney released her debut. These are a lot of women Irish writers out there. I like that. Sally Rooney released her debut novel, Conversations with Friends, last year and just at just 26. And from the offset, there was hype around her book. Set among the Dublin elite, Conversations with Friends centers on two best friends on summer holidays who meet an older married couple and how their relationships intertwine. We listed it in our top books for 2017 last year, and it was described as an absorbing confessional about the emotional connections around sex in both heterosexual and lesbian relationships where the power balance isn't clear. Again, this is the evening standard. That's their their list. Number five, The Sea by John Banville. An Irish friend of mine said he reads this novel at least once a year, and now I've read it. I can see why. Written by Wexford-born writer John Banville, The Sea won the Booker Prize in 2005 and is narrated by a man named Max, a widowed art historian returned to a seaside house he knew as a child. Whilst attempting to deal with the loss of his wife, we discover that something happened at the house he lodges at. A novel about love, loss, and the unpredictable power of memory. This novel will captivate you like no other. Alright, I'm not going to read any more of these, but I'll read... I'll just read the titles. Number six, Last September by Elizabeth Bowen. Number seven, Scarlet Feather by... How do you say that name, Spencer? I don't know. You, you didn't send me this list. M-A-V-E Binchy. Maeve Binchy? That sounds good to me. Scarlet Feather by Maeve Binchy. Room by Emma Donahue. I like the name Donahue. Yeah. Reminds me of... Uh, never mind. No. My mind goes in weird places. I'm thinking of Seinfeld when they're in a Chinese restaurant and they're trying to get a table. Yeah. And... Uh, George puts the name Costanza, but they read Cartwright. <laughs> and then they scream out Cartwright, and then it's obviously wrong. But I don't know why I thought Donahue. I'm thinking of Phil Donahue. Yes. Anyway, number nine, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was Oscar Wilde Irish? 
We're going to uh, circle back to that after ages. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas by John Boyne. Ulysses by James Joyce. Let the Great World Spin by Callum McCain. Number 13, The Country Girls by Edna O'Brien. 14, Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt. Angela's Ashes was excellent. I forgot all about that, Frank McCourt. That was a very good book. I haven't even read it. Yeah, I remember my mom reading that as a kid and I read it. Uh, it won a Pulitzer Prize in 97, I believe. 15, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Now, wait a minute. C.S. Lewis was not Irish, was he? I don't know. I, I mean, I know that, that book. I know that book, but. Yeah, but I don't think he was Irish. Number 16, The Sea. The Sea by Irish Murdoch. And number 17, The Glorious Heresies by Lisa McKierney. Let me look that up real quick. He, C.S. Lewis, was a British writer. Now, I mean, I know it's close, but come on. That was a list of Irish writers. Why do you have C.S. Lewis? And who was the other one I said that wasn't Irish? I forget already. Something wilder? Yeah, Oscar Wilde wasn't fucking Irish. He was a provocateur, and he was definitely not Irish. I don't know why they threw those in there. Now that makes me question the whole list. Hmm. I don't know. Mm. I mean, maybe the books they wrote were set in Ireland, but that's not what we're reading for. No. Books by Irish motherfucking authors. Yeah. Should we start censoring the show? Motherfucking. Speaking of, I got Sam Jackson coming on next week. Ooh. Yeah. Not the one from the movies, the famous one. The fucking guy that lives down the street. Oh. He's a bum. He's he's like you, a hobo. Yay. (laughs) Hmm. Tell uh, Mindy about your story. Oh, we gotta do it just, again now? G- just give her the quick breakdown. Just the five-second breakdown. Uh, customer at work, uh, when I was coming in the other day, asked if I was homeless. <laughs> what? He's walking into work, and the guy asked him if he was a homeless person. <laughs> he what said that Spencer was homeless. What would you say? No. <laughs> what is he going to say? Like, what the fuck kind of thing is that to ask somebody? He's wearing his work clothes. I mean, he said he had a coat on and stuff, but come on. And, like, I didn't even have, like, you know how sometimes, like, I let the beard go and it gets a little yeah. melty. Yeah, I'm saying you're kind of shaving it, up it, now. It was, it was trimmed up, so it wasn't even like I had, like, the mountain beard going on. Yeah, you don't you don't look nearly as homeless as you normally yeah. do. Come on, guy. Again, was he going to give you money? Maybe you should have Is this a racket we should get into? <laughs> Homelessness. Hey, Mindy, how do you feel about James Joyce love letters? Did I read you? I think I might have read her one of those about he <laughs> had sex. Were you trying to get her buttered up or something? <laughs> Ew, no. It was but James Joyce wrote a letter to one of his women. I don't know if it was his wife or whatnot, but it was a, he wrote a bunch of sex letters and stuff. But this love letter was all about having sex with her and, as he said, fucking the farts out of her. Oh. It was very gross. I read it on the last podcast episode. You know, it's wonderful. You don't, you don't remember that one? I feel like you would if I said it, so I don't know if I told you. Mindy's throwing cinder blocks in the kitchen. She's doing uh, the, um, what's that exercise in the, uh, like the park, not parkour, but. Uh, parkour? Uh, Do you know what you're talking about? No, I don't. I know what you're about. Everybody always gets injured doing it. The, yeah, CrossFit. CrossFit. <laughs> There's so many inaccurate things you said in that. The, the exercise, uh, parkour. parkour. Mindy is making delicious green margaritas, by the way, Spencer. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Kiwi. I had one yesterday, and they are delightful. I'm drinking not Irish drink now. I was drinking whiskey earlier. Now I'm drinking a Negroni. You well, like those? They're 
not good, but they're good. It's weird. It's like when you, I don't know, you eat something that's healthy for you, but it's not. It doesn't taste good, but then it kind of does. I can't even explain. It makes me feel fancy. There you go. We're a flexible. Uh, so Spencer, we haven't talked in a minute. What are your writing achievements of recent? Have you made anything? Any Jack, Jack and shit, man. <laughs> you haven't hit any uh, goals of any sort. I have not hit any goals that I've wanted to set. Mindy, that's uh, vanilla. I got one that's not vanilla. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Just with. I got uh, a full one too. You could use. Like two weeks ago, being sick, and then just work this week been terrible. Just haven't been able to get anything done. Which sucks because, like, it'd be one thing, like, if I just, like, I can't think of anything to write. I don't, like, I have it in my head. You just head. haven't gotten to it. Yeah, I just, I haven't had a chance to get it down, which is more frustrating than anything. Well, let me ask you this. This is, uh, I thought about doing this before, but I, I don't really want to go down that road. But I know, like, uh, we were talking about Dead Robots aside, Terry Mixon, one of the hosts on there, he uses it apparently. And I, know, I think Stephen King has to use it because his eyes, or at least he did. I don't know if he does anymore. But uh, they have, like, the word-to-text software. Yeah. That's really, like, that Dragon software that's really good. Have you ever thought about using something like that where you could just talk? Like, you just say your story as it goes and it writes it for you? That I've done some of that, like, because even, like, the... the Google Docs has like a week, I've used that before has like a week kind of version and then like I've done it sometimes like if I only have a couple minutes and like because um, I also have like the Google Docs on my phone yeah sometimes I'll use it a little bit on that that's what I usually used it on but I feel like if I'm gonna write I really need to get into the habit of Tap, like writing tapping on the keyboard like you know what i yeah, mean yeah just actually getting that motion down because then i feel like if i start doing the voice thing i'm gonna get rely, lazier kind get of lazier and your spelling would be even more atrocious yeah. at some point like you would never and yeah like it would just it would help form more bad habits well have you thought about writing freehand and then write it like say you're at work or something on your lunch Writing freehand, even just the base of your story, and then rewriting on the computer. Because I've tried that and it works, but the problem is for me, I just, my handwriting sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my handwriting is atrocious. I, I definitely want to improve like on that. Because like Neil Gaiman, I think Stephen King, a lot of writers, like real famous writers, apparently they write by hand first. And then they go to the computer or whatever word processor they use. I mean, I guess it would be good like to get like the bare bones of the story down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like You're not writing detail. Just get the story out. And then, because it, like, it's easier to write something when you're kind of reading it already and then just add to it. Like for me... I've, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I haven't, like that story I wrote that I was editing, I haven't gotten really back to that in probably since the last time we had a podcast. Was it last week? Oh, the uh, um, one that you finished the first draft yeah. of, but haven't you haven't got any father on it. Yeah, hold on. She's blending. Sorry, folks, but I got a wonderful margarita now. I'm excited about that. As if you haven't had enough drinks today. Hey, it's, it's my my favorite holiday. Like I said, I 
in the last episode, I found out I'm mostly Irish. Yeah. Now I can drink more. That that's a fact. It almost looks like a weird, um, like mint chip, like <laughs> slushy kind of thing. That's what it looks like, but it's not. It's kiwi. What kiwi melon. Saying? All I'm saying, Spencer, is really good. If you want a little bit, there's mm-hmm. some left. I'm alright. Alright. I still have, I'm still babying this whiskey. The whiskey. But anyway, as you were saying something about my work. Oh, my first draft. Yeah. Yeah, like the story's finished. All I was doing is rewriting and just, uh, not that I needed to pad it really, just kind of making it a little better, you know. Yeah, there's always tweaks to be made. Yeah. Because I think it's like 12,000 words or something. And I'm probably just going to put this one on the site. And then if we do a like a short story collection, I think it would be pretty good for that. Yeah. Like, I can't say I didn't do any writing because I wrote for the site a couple stories that I think were pretty good. But those those were kind of the things like, oh, we need something for the site. I'm just, we haven't had a submission recently or anything. So I was like, oh, I'll just do that real quick. Knock it out. And usually those are kind of, uh, they're not necessarily well thought out. Like, I just kind of go for them. You know, I have a little spark of an idea. Like, the last one was about three guys. They want to mug some guy in a suit, and they catch him, and he's like a demon or something. Like, uh. weird, yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, real, real in death or anything. But I definitely have some work down the pike I really wanted to get to, but this fucking editing is holding me back. Because I want to do the DPW collection, which, like, you got once you get that butcher story done, yeah. I think that would be a good entry. We'll get one from uh, one of the other writers on DPW, and then I'll have one, and we'll probably only need a couple more like stories because those are, all our stories are pretty long. Yeah. So once we do that, that'll be good. And I have a short idea for a short story collection. Just do it real quick. Just fucking cut it. <laughs> it's loud as fuck. Just cut it. You cut it harder. Cut it. You want a hammer? Yeah. Jackhammer. Faster. Oh. Faster. I hear you have two different pizzas. She had cheese pizza, so you could have some. Yeah. Got some. Honestly, that one looks like too healthy to be pizza. Yeah. I feel like you can't have healthy pizza. It kind of oh, just. It's not pizza. healthy, but it's uh, it's not healthy. Or like healthier pizza, like you know what I mean. I feel like uh, it de- de- defeats the purpose of what pizza is. Mm-hmm. Dude, that is good though. I mean, yeah, it's probably delicious, but I'm just saying it's a thing. It's a it's a thing of mine with pizza. Uh, yeah, we need to end this episode because we're eating pizza. Yeah. I will end it on, though, uh, but I do have a really good story. I don't remember if I told you. I want to do a short story collection. Like, the main premise is a guy goes to hell somehow, and, like, hell is kind of like a big hotel. Like, think of, like, a endless hotel. Like, yeah. there's, there's just infinity rooms, and the demons want to put it, like, demons, Satan, whatever it is, I haven't gotten that far, wants to put the protagonist into a room which would be his own personal hell but he tries to escape so he's running through these corridors of just endless rooms and every once in a while he'll duck out into a room to get away from the demons so he goes into somebody else's hell yeah he goes into somebody's personal hell and the short stories in the collection will be that whatever person's personal hell and I was thinking of doing people from all around the world Uh. so say like one room he'll go into will be like someone from Japan their personal hell and I'll do like a what would be more of a Japanese-centric hell. And here's here's what I thought would be cool. 
I was going to do seven short stories, so he goes into seven rooms, and they're based on the seven deadly sins. Ah. So each room is based on that sin, and it like the room would be kind of like how the preacher show went into uh, when asshole face went into yeah. hell. It was uh, like people's personal hell. They lived the mo like the their worst moment. Yeah, their wor- their worst moment. This would be their biggest sin. So each moment would be like say. One of the deadly sins is like murder, right? Yeah. So it would be one of the guy, like one guy or girl, whatever, that if they committed a murder, that would be their story, what the murder was, and then their life after real quick, and then that would be the short story. And then like Gluss would maybe be somebody cheating on their spouse yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and I would do that for each sin, like sloth, like it would be maybe like a real fat guy or something, kind of like the movie Seven. But I thought that'd be kind of, because I had never heard of a story that kind of went down that route. Yeah. So I think that'd be cool. And then... It would have an overlying story. So, like I said, the protagonist, it would be his personal hell. So, maybe he would be the seventh story or something. So, is you, like, uh, did you say you were going to do it for, like, the website or something? No, this would be one I would actually put out. So, it would be, like, your own personal, like, short story collection. Yeah, because as much as I want to write a novel, I feel like a short story collection would be better. Because I've read a lot of, uh, not read, but I've seen a lot of different websites and magazines that they have contests for short story collections and i feel like that's something i could shop around people's attention spans are a little shorter mm-hmm. i think that would be a good way to dive into the you know the market better our short stories always do well on the website so i feel like a short story collection would be kind of a good way to get people involved because even if they don't read the whole thing as long as they read one or two of your stories yeah. in the uh, book they kind of get a feel for your writing Whereas a novel, you kind of need a whole picture. Like, you need to read the whole thing to know how the author thinks and what he, like, his process is. And that would be good, too, like, because how you were talking about being, like, the seven deadly sins, you can really show off different aspects of your, of, you know, yeah. of writing. Well, like I said, I wanted to do not just the seven deadly sins, but also do different countries. So, like, I use Jap- Japanese example because I read a lot of Japanese fiction. So, I can kind of aim more towards that market. And then, like, if I do an African or a Russian or whatever it may be, I can – I don't just want to do um, a story based on that. I want to do my writing style for that story based on yeah. that. So, like, a Dostoyevsky or something like the, that writing style as the Russian story. So, when people are reading it, it will kind of – not to be like a dick, but I'll be like kind of like a literary flex. I'll be able yeah. to flex my different writing styles. Maybe I'll even do like a H.P. Lovecraft kind of throwback story, like that kind of writing style. Like I'd love to be able to express different writing styles in one collection. Yeah. Like I think that'd be really fun. And I think people would really enjoy it. So that's kind of like what I have down the pike, but I have to edit the short story I'm doing now. I have an essay I want to edit. I, I start it and... The problem is, like, that was more of a personal essay, so when I wrote it, it was easy, but to edit it, it's like, I don't know, it's just kind of hard, because it's not like one of those, like a fiction story where you can kind of rewrite, it's just something you would have to make a little better. Why is he crying? Uh, Maybe Mindy's punching him or something. Mm What other story, like, what do you have down the pipe besides just your butcher story? Do you have any um, thoughts of uh, different things you want to do? Because I know you wanted to do the DPW collection, but did you have yeah. anything else? Well, there's the butcher story I want to finish. There's the, um, 
disgruntled employee who works at a huge chain retail store that gets robbed and is kind of does a um, diehard slash not necessarily trying to save people but like a diehard kind of situation of taking out the bad guys which I'm like a couple hundred words and I kind of stalled out on that so like that's been on the back burner I wanted to get to after I got done with the butcher story there was a story I was working on where a guy um is where he's looking for a car for his that first call for his son, he, uh, goes to, like, a, um, a police auction to get a, a cheap car, and it turns out to be this, uh, you know, convict who's, like, either escaped or recently got out of jail and wants it, and but loses it to that guy, so he has to, like, torture that family to try to get it back. That, yeah, you remember you saying that before. That might be good for the I, short story collection. I was thinking, that's what I was thinking. That for. was for the original collection, wasn't it? I can't remember. Yeah, but that would be good. You could do kind of like a... Were you going to go like a haunted car route or just... I, at first, just the guy tortures? At first, I was thinking about it, but then I was going to try to go more... I figured it'd probably be better with more kind of like a psychological thriller kind of where like the guy's like trying to break into their house or like mm-hmm. is following them for like a couple of days throughout like, you know, the town or with like grocery shopping or, you know, like that kind of slow stocky kind of building up tension kind of well here's a question for you Spencer. have you thought about writing a novel anytime soon because i know you do you know you've done a lot of short stories now and like for both of us we kind of been like we wanted to build our skills to the point where if we were to write a novel it would be solid like, yeah. we don't want to be that person who writes the first-time novel and it's not that good. Like, we wanted to really have the solid skills before we got to it. So, what what would your... I think a novel is something that I want to do, but I'm finding... I don't know if it's the right story to make that long. Because, like, the longest thing that I've ever written probably still is that Daily Round. Yeah. Which is, like... 10, 11, 12,000 words. Something, something like that. So... You know, it's not it's not that long because to at least be a novel, you'd I'd imagine you need somewhere between like. Well, novels typically like eighty thousand words. Yeah, so it's I have never really even read wrote in anything that has like chapters really, like you know what I mean. We are right over there. I thought she was doing the suck it at first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for this to be done. Music. All right, we're gonna end it here in a minute. I think what would be a good idea for you is. Even, you know, while you're doing other projects, maybe just do a quick outline of Of a a story for a novel. And, like, what I did for the one novel I was going to write was just write out the synopsis of each chapter. So, you would have technically the whole book, but you didn't actually write it. So, like, say you want a 10-chapter book, you just write the synopsis for each chapter. (sighs) You all right over there? Just open the bag of chips as loudly as possible. It's not that it's so loud. It's so loud, it's so loud though. It's so. It sounds like you're fucking that bag of chips. <laughs> it sounds like you're riding the face of that bag of chips. Those Doritos are getting it. It sounds, it sounds like you're jealous. Maybe yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I like your green. I was going to wear my green hoodie, but I don't want to get slop all over it. Well, my hoodie is a little is more that expensive why, is than that your why you got hair? I'm more Irish than you. You're not. You're barely Irish. You're. What were you? What the fuck was your DNA result? 
You don't even remember. Well, technically, she'd be more Irish when you're in her, so. Hada cha! For those who aren't watching, because we don't have video, that we were doing the Andrew Dice Glay shitty hand over the fuck. I can't even describe it. Hand over the head mu- uh, uh, cigarette, cigarette smoke. <laughs> Yeah. And he gave her the bone. And he gave her the bone. Anyway, we got this. Um, so yeah, we're gonna both write books and we're gonna be millionaires. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, please buy them. But our our our, our St. Patrick's Day party needs to get underway. We've been trying to be professional, but it ain't happening. So it's probably Thursday when your folks are listening to this, or Friday actually. What did I say? Th- I keep saying I Thursday. Know. It's Friday. I post these right for the I, DBS. Oh, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't sure. It doesn't matter. We love you guys. You guys are wonderful. Have a wonderful evening. Be safe and enjoy life, I guess. I don't know. Bye. See ya.